Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. All right, hello and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here, the voice of your Barracuda, alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. And Goldie, it's our season recap as the Barracuda fell in four games to the San Diego Goals on Wednesday. A final score of 5-2 was the elimination game for San Jose on home ice. Um, wrapping up uh, the postseason in round number one. Certainly a disappointing end, I think, to the regular season. You know, those sentiments were echoed by the coaching staff and even by the players because you've got a 1-1 series. You're coming back home for potentially the final three games, and you fall in both games. And really it was kind of a weird type of development because the team was flat in both games, never really found their game. And San Diego, give them credit, very skilled group, especially with all the yeah, extras they got during the, you know, with the elimination of the Ducks, but um, they just proved too too much for San Jose and the Barracuda limited in game number four last Wednesday. Yeah, it's like the uh, steps of grieving, right? The the first step is acceptance. And <laughs> I think we've come to the, you know, a couple of days have passed now and we've kind of just, you know, come to grips with things a little bit. And it, it is a little disappointing, you know, like you said, uh, you go down to San Diego to start things and you play really well. I think that, I think, despite losing that first game, despite blowing a three-goal lead and then a two-goal lead in game one and losing in overtime the way that you did. Um, they looked good in that game. They looked really, really good in game two. So, you've, I mean, I know myself personally, I'm pretty sure you did too, and everybody else really felt good about coming back home to play three games at home. For whatever reason, just things uh, things weren't the same. Uh, I don't know what it, what it really was, but just it wasn't the same team that was in San Diego. And, I think that's what makes it the the tough pill to swallow is, listen, if you get knocked out of the playoffs and you play your best game and, and you lose, like it is what it is and hats off to the other team. But when you lose and you, you, you leave more to be desired and you leave more out on the ice that, you know, maybe you, you, you could have pushed a little harder, put a little extra in for that puck or fought a little bit harder on the wall to, to win a battle, you know, little things like that. That's what makes it tough to swallow because you know that there was more available and you know that there was more that could have been done I think that's what makes it the the toughest that's the toughest thing to deal with really it's interesting too you look at every single game San Jose scored the first goal in all four games but they're outshot in every single game special teams were pretty balanced uh, uh-huh. the penalty kill was pretty solid power play never really got going but they kind of eliminated San Diego um, their power play unit as well and that's a pretty go- darn good group on that side so pretty balanced in, in that terms um, interesting uh, with Dallas Eakins making the goaltending change early in game number one and he never went back to Kevin right. Boyle Jeff Glass and although I think at times Glass looked shaky. He made the timely save. Yeah, and they no. relied on a veteran guy, and he stepped up in a big way. Yeah, Glass. I mean, Glass. Hats off to him. Obviously, he played well when he when he had to. But I, there were still times where he was just he didn't look comfortable throughout the series. Even at his best, he didn't look comfortable. A lot of rebounds to be had. But I think you had to give a lot of credit to San Diego defensively what they did. I mean, they took away the neutral zone from San Jose. Made it very tough to get in the offensive zone. And when we dump pucks in to try and get in on a four check and, and cause turnovers. They broke out with ease. And then any time that there were rebounds around the net, because Glass puts up a ton of rebounds, any time there were rebounds, their defensemen did a great job at keeping our sticks off the ice and not really allowing for those second-chance opportunities. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's disappointing. But they did play well. Um, 
it just wasn't well enough and hats out to San Diego. They were the better team and you know, they're going to move on now and play Bakersfield and see what happens here in round two for them. Yeah, we'll touch on uh, the, you know, the remaining teams still in the mix for the, you know, the Calder Cup championship. The team's still, you know, moving on to round number two. We'll touch on that as we continue the podcast here. Um, so the Barracuda fall in, in four games. Season comes to an end. But as you look back at the regular season, I mean, I calculated 22 different rookies played for this group at different points in the year. So you've got 22 rookies playing at least one game. That was the most in the entire American Hockey League. At the end of the year, I think San Jose was the 25th youngest, or it would be the sixth youngest group in the league, so 25th oldest um, in the AHL. So an extremely young group. The only reason why they weren't uh, the, the youngest team, I think, was the late addition of TJ Hensick added yeah. kind of the average age up to around 25 years of age. So... To have such a young group with so many rookies in and out of the lineup throughout the season, I think there was certainly a lot of positives to take from the year. You sent four guys from the organization of the All-Star Game, Francis Perron, Jake Middleton, Yosef Kornosh, the players, and, of course, head coach Roy Sommer. You saw Sommer hit 750 wins earlier this year. You saw the captain, John McCarthy, play in his 600th professional game. He had a couple milestones. Um, you saw Jake Middleton, a guy who's really grinded his way throughout his career so far in his first two years. In year number three, gets his first crack in the NHL. And you saw, you know, up and down the lineup, a lot of positives. Even Nick DeSimone uh, made a huge leap in his game. And now, as you know, a guy I think everybody's going to expect to push for a job in the NHL next year. He's going to be in that mix on the back end for maybe a guy who can fill a role because there's going to be some changeover, I think, up top with the Sharks no matter what happens. Um, but a lot to, to be taken from this group. It was a disappointing finish, but, you know, a lot of positives throughout the year. Yeah, the goaltending is another thing to keep an yeah, eye on. That's absolutely. Gonna be a, that's going to be a battle going into next year as well with the Sharks having Aaron Dell and then Bebo and Coronash and now Andrew Shortridge in the mix. So that's going to be a, a thing to keep an eye on. But there, there were a lot of positives. Sure, the team hit a, a rough patch right there in the middle of the season, but that's... You know, that's kind of expected when you have such a young team adjusting to the pro game. That first, that, that grind of the season can, can hit you at some point. It's how you fight through it, which I thought they did very well as the season wrapped up. The beginning of the year was fantastic. You know, we were a dominant team to start the year. Things, uh, everything kind of clicked. The guys looked good. So there's a lot to be, you know, you can't hang your head and think the season was a disappointment by any means because when you really think about what the Barracuda are here for and what the AHL is here for, they did that. They did their job. They got these guys lots of game experience, adjusting to the pro game, getting them ready for the NHL, getting them some playoff experience. Obviously, would you like them to go further in the playoffs and have more? Absolutely, everybody would. But I think for what the the team has set out to do, they they accomplished all that. You know? it, yeah, and and what's exciting about next year is a lot of guys. You know, certain guys are on entry level deals. Certain guys are on AHL contracts, but. You know, I would assume that the Sharks are going to elect to bring a lot of these guys back. There's going to be some new guys in the fold. We just saw, you know, Mario Ferraro just signed uh, his go UMass. Go UMass. So you're, a, you know, you're an alumni of UMass and what a year they had. And he was defensive partner with Kale McCarr. We'll see, mm-hmm. We're seeing right now in that series with the San Jose Sharks. He's a dynamic puck moving defense when the Sharks took him in the second round a couple years ago. So we should see him next year. Um, and then there's a lot of guys I do expect to be back. But, I mean, you can simply go down the list with this group and the different kind of things each player was able to accomplish. I mean, we don't have to go over every single player. But, you know, you look at some of the young guys, like an Evan Weinger. What a penalty killer he was for mm-hmm. this group. This is one of the best penalty killing teams in the league. Weinger, along with John McCarthy, were kind of that top 
forward group on the penalty kill. And, of course, he was dynamic from a speed standpoint. Even a Jaden Holmgawax finished, I think, with 12 goals. That's a pretty, you know, solid yeah. first year, even though at times it was quiet. Um, of course, John Martin made a huge leap in his game. Um, back end, of course, you know, with Jake Middleton, Kyle Wood, Nick DeSimone, you go down the list, um, you know, of guys who were, you know, that the top pairing. And, and then even Kevin Fitzgerald, I thought, made a huge leap at the end of the yeah. season. You know, really elevated his game. So, uh, and then, of course, the goaltending was excellent all season long. Joseph Kornosh, an all-star, Antoine Bebo back for another year. And, you know, Bebo has another year under his contract here in, in San Jose. So, well, you know, could see him again, obviously, next year, unless he competes for a job up top. So, um, a lot to, to be excited about with this group for the future. Yeah, like, no, like you said, like everybody kind of played their part, and they all stepped up, and I would agree with you that there's probably a good chunk of them coming back, but it's, you touched on a little bit, it's what's also coming down the pipeline. These guys like Ferraro, uh, Noah Gregor, Joachim Blickfield, um, lots of guys in the fold who are in juniors who, who may make an impact. Uh, Jake McGrew is a guy who could end up, you know, showing up here, and there's, there's lots of options. Ivan Jakovic, Ivan Jakovic, Sasha Sasha Sasha, yeah, all these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there's not that there's reinforcements, but there's more talent up and coming, yeah. right? And it just makes it that much more important for the guys who are here on the roster to keep competing, keep fighting, and playing hard. Um, you know, it's it's funny you talk about a guy like Evan Weinger, who's when we started the year was a guy who couldn't crack the lineup. Yep, First gets in and, games and makes in. an immediate impact. Yeah. Then he was a hard guy to take out. Yep. I mean, he's the fastest, probably the fastest guy in the organization on the ice, but just does a great job as far as killing penalties and really played a big role when, uh, hi, Mike Ricci, was a real important, uh, real important role for us when, when, uh, when Manny Weider went down. Italian slap on my neck. Um, I'm callous now from the neck from Ricci. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just used so to that's it. not even a big deal. But yeah, yeah. We're live. It's okay, Reach. It's okay, Reach. You want to come say hi? <laughs> got Mike, Mike Reach did, did a fantastic job uh, opening the door, getting people did. pumped up. I was, yeah. If anybody I saw that fired the Sharks up. game. Yeah. I was. So, you know, overall, a lot of positives, a lot, of, lot to be excited about. The team announced uh, just the other day is we'll, we'll try to continue going despite Reach. You know, yeah. it's, it's Reach. Yeah. No surprise. You never know what you're yeah. going to get. <laughs> uh, announced some team awards. Um, yep. You know, the coaching staff kind of decides this. You know, the front office kind of decides this. Um, you know, for the MVP, I think, you know, you certainly could have talked about the goaltenders because at times they, they elevated this team, I think, to, to another level. Um, but a guy who just took a major leap in his game. He scored 15 goals last year. Um, he has nine more this year. He had 24 goals. It's one shy of the franchise record, which was set a couple years ago by Barkley Goodrow at 25. But Alexander True named the team MVP. Um, finished leading the group in both points, goals, second in assist. And um, after really kind of a sluggish start for True, I think he had just one goal in his first 11 games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he found his groove and, and what a year he had. And I think at times there was no doubt he was the go-to guy in terms of who was going to supply offense for this group. Yeah, he's as he just as it was last year, you know, as he progressed through development camp and then coming in here and signing an AHL deal, the signing an NHL deal. He's just continued to impress kind of as he goes along. Now he's part of the Black Aces. He's one of those guys who going into next year is expected to compete for an NHL job. I mean, he's he's consistent. He's a guy who can kill penalties. He's a big body on the power play. He's kind of does everything you want. And he does it all well. He's one of those guys who leads by example, does everything the right way, does what the coaches want. And he's probably one of the few guys who played in every game this season. I don't yeah. think we had many guys who played in all 68 yeah, games. He was probably 68, one of those yeah. guys. So 
two years in a, two years in a row he did that. He was the, I think he might have been the only guy last year to play in all 68 games. So consistency, night in, night out, you know what you're going to get from him. And he really, I mean, he was your, your best player throughout the year. So it was a well-deserved honor that he got as and, team MVP. And when you have, you know, the development coaches like the Mike Reaches, even the coaching staff, I think these are the type of guys, and for the, the scouting staff as well, these are the type of guys that they can hang their hat on and, and look back as, you know, this is why you try to develop players, you know, there's the Timo Myers that come in, top 10 pick. You expect him to make an impact in the NHL level eventually. With Alexander True, he's a late bloomer, an undrafted guy. You know, he had a really good run in his couple years in the WHL. He comes in last year. I think he opened up a lot of eyes. And as you mentioned, he pawned that rookie season into an entry-level deal. And what you want to see from these guys is you want to see them to ascend their game. You want them to continue to trend upward. Sometimes guys will plateau or they'll take a step back. Well, he definitely stepped forward. Like we mentioned, the 24 goals, 31 assists, 55 points. Um, and, and just really did it all for this group. And I think, you know, he realized if he's going to have success at the AHL level and if he wants to be an NHLer as well, he's got to, you know, do his job in front of the net. Go to the gritty areas. He's got to produce in front in those tough areas where maybe you take a bit of abuse. And, um, you know, he had some good chemistry, I think, with guys like even a Francis Braun at times and, and a John Martin. But uh, well-deserved for, you know, the team MVP this season. Yeah, I would bet 95% of his goals came from that right in front of the net greasy area. I mean, it's just he's – a, he's a tough body to move down there, but he's a smart, instinctive player. He knows how to get open and get in those – the small little windows to to make plays, and he's in good company too. With you know prior MVP winners, Antoine Bebo won last year, Troy Grosnick the year before, Ryan Carpenter in the inaugural season. So all guys have strong pedigrees and have you know bright futures around the league. Yeah, absolutely. So that's your team MVP, Alexander True. Let's move on to our rookie of the year. I think. There was a lot of rookies on this team, but there was one that certainly was uh, above the rest. And he could have been arguably in the team MVP as could well, have. and that's Yosef Koronash. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement about him coming in this year, but a lot of unknown. He only played nine games last year over in the Czech Republic, um, played a year in the USHL. Very unknown, um, but excited was Yevgeny Nabokov with him coming in. And, you know, he exceeded, I think, all expectations and is now in the mix to be a guy who, you know, is maybe going to be the future in between the pipes for this organization. Um, but what a year for Yosef Kornosh. Um 24 wins, I believe, off the top of my head. 23. 23 wins, and that put him within the top 15. Um, just a, really a stellar year. He was an all-star midway through the season. Um, and, and just a guy, although him and Bebo kind of switched starts, uh, you know, one guy would start the one game, the next guy would start the next game. You know, he was uh, really sensational this season all, all year long. Yeah, like you said, I think it was coming into the year, obviously everybody knew he was a talented goalie, but a lot of unknown because he had played such, you know, a small sample size the year before, but he came in and blew everybody away. I mean, he was he was dominant for the first half of the year, and he was tough to beat. Everybody, there was a lot of confidence playing in front of him. And, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously – he he ran away with it as far as some of the other rookie of the year options. I mean, we have so many. You said 22 rookies made made pro debuts this year, but he I mean he was the guy who had the biggest impact by far. Without the way he plays the first half of the year, we're probably not a playoff team. Yeah, there's there's no doubt, um, and, and that's why he represented the group at the All Star Classic. Uh, you know, very excited about his potential. Really young kid. Too, yeah, and know. he's 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 absolutely going to be somebody who pushes for a job as soon as next year. I think he's gonna. I think he can give Aaron Dell a serious run for his money as the backup, despite you know being so young. 
what a, a full season of AHL goaltending where you are the workhorse goaltender help? Sure. Is that an option next year? I, I don't know, especially with Antoine Bebo coming back. But um, he's a lot of potential there. And he's another guy who's got good company with the guys who've won that award. Balsers last year, he was in an NHL regular this year. Daniel Regan has is on the cusp of being a, a regular in Buffalo. And then you've got Nikolai Godobin, who's an NHL regular now. So guys who all have bright futures who have come through this organization. Uh, certainly something to be excited about if you're a Sharks fan. And with the philosophy change a few years ago where they went more with the youth side of things with as much competition, winning the rookie of the year on this team is a big deal because yeah. of how many there are and how many have made an impact over the last few years. So well-deserved for Yosef Kornosh, the team's rookie of the year. Move on to uh, the most inspirational. This has been pretty much, you call it the Johnny Mack Award. Maybe one day they turned it into the Johnny Mack Award. He won it the first two years. Uh, Certainly would have been deserving if he had won it again. I think this year they just decided let's you know give it to another guy just because Mac, he, you know he's not. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is the one award that's voted on by the guys in the locker room as opposed to the coaching staff, or at least it used to be that way. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a, a mix of, of both, but um, you know Jeffrey Vl, the award winner for that one, did it all this year for this group. Yeah, I mean, I mean he added a toughness, he added skill. Um, obviously came with a winning pedigree, having won a Memorial Cup last year as the captain. Um, and, he, you know, I think he's another guy that, like True, has a chance to maybe earn himself a bit of an extension, guaranteed sure. for a couple of years, because by the way he played, and the guy that there's not a lot of people in this organization that have the type of skill set he has. Um, and it's important, even though the game's going away from a physical s side of things, you still need a guy in your organization and on your team with that ability. Yeah, when you look at the, the description for this most inspirational award, right, it's given to a player that displays the most selflessness, complete commitment to the team and leadership. Obviously, Johnny Mack's the guy that comes to mind, but second to that, I don't think anybody would argue that Jeffrey Fiel's that guy. Is, as you said his skill set's unique. It's very well-rounded. He doesn't do – he does everything well. He, he's a guy who's killed penalties. He played power play time. He can drop the mitts if he has to and stand up for a teammate. He's a leader. He can score. He can pass. He's kind of got a little bit of everything. And you saw that coming through, you know, his, his Memorial Cup run uh, last year and turned into a, a solid rookie campaign. He had 11 goals, 11 assists, 22 points. Can't really complain on anything there. Definitely a guy who everybody takes notice of when he's in the lineup. He's physical. He plays the game hard. So I, I don't know. I, to me, that was, that was a, a no-brainer of a decision to, for him to be that. And he ends winner. with eight fighting majors. He probably would have had more, but because of some, you know, the modern rules, you, you've got to limit yourself or you start dealing with uh, sitting out games. But uh, he had a great year, added a lot of offense, was physical, and, uh, you know, he made his presence known in the, the Pacific Division quickly because mm -hmm. if guys didn't know who he was, they learned pretty quick that yeah. – uh, you don't want to mess around tough with guy too. With, yeah. tough guy too. Tough SOB, yeah. that's for sure. Absolutely. So, and we, you know, we got a cool kind of behind the scenes. We did the Frenchy House video. Just uh, like most most tough guys, they're they're pretty mellow off the yeah. ice. He's um, very mellow too. Yeah. I mean, he's relatively you know, he's a relatively quiet guy to begin with, and and he's definitely likes to have fun and he makes jokes and but he, yeah, he's he's much quieter than I think a lot of people would expect him to be. All right, let's move on. So our final award is the Three Stars Award. This is something that came over from Worcester. Mm -hmm. um, you guys did it back uh, in the days in Worcester. So um, as you are given a star at home, you accumulate points, right? So a first yep. star would be three. Three points. Second star two is points. two. And a third star is one. one point, so yep. you accumulate all this, the points at the end, and that's your winner. So yep. our 2018-19 winner, Francis Perron, is our Three Stars victor. And 
What a start to the year for Perron, also an all-star. Um, he even said at the end of the year, didn't quite finish, you know, how he would have liked, uh, but a breakout season for him. You look at his numbers, I mean, he surpassed every single mark that he had set in his per first two years, almost doubled everything this year, so uh, well-deserved for him. As yeah, well. it was, I mean, this is, like, the, the Sharks give this award out every year uh, as well, but, yeah, this was a big year for him because those first two years in the Ottawa organization were, were rough, and had he come out and put up a stinker of a year, who knows if that's, if he gets another AHL job or even an NHL job, or a crack at that, you know, moving forward. But he, I think this year was big for him, a step in the right direction. I think he put the best foot forward to whether it's here or elsewhere. Hopefully it's here, but whether it's here or elsewhere, um, to get himself a, another look, another opportunity to hopefully take advantage of. And a guy who came over that Eric Carlson trade, of course, the forgotten guy, and he came in and really made a name for himself quickly here with the Barracuda. Ended with 18 goals, 29 assists for 47 points. Prior to that, in his first two years, he had just 10 combined goals, just 31 combined assists, um, good for 41 points. So he doubled everything this year. So uh, I don't think you could ask much more from Perron. Um, and this is his third year and really elevated his game, just 23 years of age. So he's still certainly um, a prospect and in that kind of uh, that age range that you're looking for a guy to continue to develop. So we will see if, if Francis comes back at this point. I don't believe he's under contract. That doesn't uh, he's, mean one, of he's the, one of the many RFAs. So, yeah. So. Told him we, we, we hope to see him, so you never know um, on how those things go, but a great season for Perron. So he's our three-star winner. Um, quickly, let's, uh, let's go on our out-of-town uh, kind of schedule right now with, with the playoffs. They're on to round number two, so the top team in the American Hockey League, Charlotte's, uh, they get past Providence in four games, and they get uh, Hershey in, in round number two. Meanwhile, the defending Calder Cup champion, Toronto Marlies, they'll take on the Cleveland Monsters, who upset the Syracuse Crunch. The Wild, the Minnesota Wild, and Philly, the Iowa Wild will play the Chicago Wolves and the Bakersfield Condors and San Diego Goals in round number two, um, representing the Pacific Division. So we did see some upsets yeah. in, in round number so one. So all the, none of the two seeds advanced. Every two seed in each division lost. So that was us. Uh, Milwaukee, uh, Rochester, and... Grand Rapids. No, Grand Rapids was in a two. Oh, okay. Us, Milwaukee, Rochester, and Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Bridgeport was the other one. So uh, all the three seeds advanced. Uh, all the one seeds, with the exception of Syracuse, advanced. Um, I think, I mean, not to break down each series. I don't think we need to get too far in depth, but um, it seems like the, the Hershey... Series is probably going to be the, I would think, eh, maybe not the most competitive, but that's going to, I would expect that to go six or seven games. I think the Toronto-Cleveland series could end in five or six. I think the uh, Chicago, that, I mean, the way, never know. the way Iowa played yeah. in game seven was promising, yeah. but the fact that they went up 2-0 and had, and Milwaukee forced the game five in Iowa's building is a little skeptic, makes me a little skeptical. Um, Bakersfield, San Diego may be the best of the best series that there is in this round, uh, just given all the potential that obviously Bakersfield has, but given all the star power that San Diego has as well. San Diego is going to go as far as their goaltending allows them. Like we said, Glass looked very shaky at times, but if he can kind of hold his own, their offensive firepower has all the capabilities to keep up with 
what Bakersfield has. What's incredible, though, is, you know, if they elect, let's say, Glass does struggle, well, they've got Kevin Boyle sitting on the pine, mm -hmm. and Kevin Boyle's an all-star. And really had a, a sensational uh, third year at the pro level this year with San Diego and also got a, a bit of a taste of the NHL level. Quickly, the NHL teams still in the postseason, that's going to affect kind of the roster. So Charlotte, despite having all the success this year, Carolina is still in the playoffs. And they've recently had a couple guys go up and down. They had their starting goaltender, Peter Morazic, got injured. That means they called up Charlotte's starter, I saw, yep. um, to back up. So we'll see. And Jake, Jake Bean got called up as well. He's their best defenseman. So he got he got yanked from, from Charlotte's team. So that's... Carolina's a little banged up. They're, you know, they, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a war. They're up 2 nothing in their series of the New York Islanders. But um, it has not been without some injuries along the way um, so far in those two games. Cleveland... They're Columbus. affiliate Columbus. That's the only other team still in the playoffs. So it's Cleveland and Charlotte. Their NHL teams are still in action. Hershey, obviously, Washington, they're mm -hmm. out. Toronto, the Maple Leafs, they're out. Chicago, their affiliate is Vegas, they're out. Bakersfield affiliate is Edmonton, they're out. And San Diego's affiliate, of course, is Anaheim. So they're out as well. Yeah. So um, that always kind of plays an impact on it as well on who kind of gets through. And then the fact is, are you getting guys that are fully bought in? Mm -hmm. You know, you just never know sometimes. It doesn't yeah. guarantee that you're going to, you know, um, be a better team because the NHL team is affiliated. Cool but little it, uh, cool tidbit, too. I saw, uh, I think I saw this from Bakersfield's broadcast crew. Um, Shane Starrett, as great as he was this year, never played a game in San Diego this season. He really? Came, he, he came in once, and it was in relief. Oh, wow. So he never started a game down there. So, I mean, you and I know we were down there uh, last week, and that can be a loud building, a tough building to play in. Who knows how he reacts? He's, I mean, he's a rookie. He could be totally baffled by the moment. It would surprise me if he was, but that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, quickly, I know when we were playing San Diego in the first round, we began down in Southern California, and the dates, the dates weren't necessarily um, ideal. They had to turn around quickly, and we played midweek games, and their attendance from what we normally are accustomed to wasn't, wasn't excellent. Um, so we'll see if that plays another factor uh, in round number two. They've got a couple teams in that building. I think they've got a lacrosse team. They've definitely got a soccer yep. team. Yeah, it's busy. Even an indoor football team, I believe, too. So um, there wasn't a lot of space. And you had on concerts. So despite, uh, you know, their, their good support, uh, they, they were kind of given a raw deal in terms of their scheduling. Um, all right, let's move on. So we did our little roundup. Um, the one note with the Barracuda still Black Aces. So um, if people are unfamiliar, Black Aces are usually, you know, your top player players, your, your guys who, you know, are going to probably be competing next year or were already competing this year. Um, they stick around. They skate. They don't skate necessarily with the big club. They kind of do their own thing, but are kind of waiting in the wings in case of an injury situation. So um, San Jose's Black Aces, Alexander True, Jake Middleton, Nick Simone. Um, it's not a huge crop of guys, but they're skating and they're kind of staying ready and making sure they're in shape. Yeah. Um, Roy Sommer tells a funny story. I forget the exact player, but he, he mentioned um, – It was a Tampa Bay. He's, Tampa I've Bay, it, Calgary. I've heard it three times. Yeah, it was like a week. Calgary player that, you know, there was an injury. Daryl Sutter called him and said, hey, we need you to come. And he ends up playing in the, the Stanley Cup finals, but he, hasn't, he hadn't skated for a month and a half. And his uh, hockey bag was in his garage. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, with these guys, black aces are tough because – yeah, you're not, you know, you're practicing every day. You're not seeing game action, but literally anything could happen. I mean, granted, for these black aces to have to go and play, a lot of things have to go wrong for the Sharks. 
but it's good that they're ready to go. And yep. that doesn't mean that guys that aren't here shouldn't be ready either because, God forbid, something even crazier happens. You need to call on guys who are, you know, back home already. They got to they gotta get in the mix too. But Black Ace is here. It's obviously a good group of guys. But let's also not forget that four other guys are practicing with the Sharks. You have Dylan Gambrell, Lucas Radiel, who's playing. Yeah, playing. Actively and playing. And Gams played a game too. Gams played a game. Suomela has been practicing with them. And Joseph Coronash is up with them as well. So, while those guys maybe aren't considered black aces, they're all part of that you know, yeah. postseason call-up That's group, which point. is still a big part of uh, – still an important piece to be a part of. That's a good point. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. We have uh, some questions, mm-hmm. so uh, let's go over those. and yeah. then we'll, we'll first, first time in a while we've done this, yeah. this listener <laughs> question thing. Uh, it was nice to get back in the mix. It's, I think we confused some people. Some people still thought we were bringing on a, a player guest today, so we had a lot of player-related questions that we are – not going to ask because um, <laughs> I don't care too much about your, your favorite pregame ritual or where you like to eat in San Jose, although I know you got some pretty good taco spots um, that we've, we've frequented a couple times, which are pretty good. Uh, but first question we got here is whether or not we know the home opener date for the 1920 season, which uh, we do not. We do not. We but don't have the schedule. We don't know anything like that. So... You can kind of have a generic guess, right? I think we've started it's be in, in October. the first week of October, and that's when the season three starts. Years. So that's yeah. when the season starts, and but it could be late October. It's either going to be, I would think, at Stockton is who we've basically played every year to start the year. Maybe a Bakersfield. Yeah, but I don't know you could get a team who's coming in yep. and making their West Coast swing. Yep. They're starting it early, so it could be a team from the Central. But we have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea. If obviously, if we find out early enough, we're able to tell everybody. We will do that, but. We may not know until July when the schedule comes out, just like everybody else. So we're in a – we know other teams are able to announce it and things like that. We're in a weird situation with our building where we have to – you know, the shark schedule comes into play and some concerts and things like that. So we can't really reveal as much as some other teams might be able to. Um, so and we'll let you know when we know. There's a couple teams, of course, that always kind of hold up the whole schedule because – They've got NBA teams, the mm-hmm. Clevelands, the San Antonios, so that always kind of throws a wrench in yeah. new scheduling. But it's coming out. out earlier than what it's usually come out the years before, so we'll uh, Mike Chase on, everybody. <laughs> Refuses to come on the podcast. He won't come on the podcast. Oh, he's getting on. We'll bring him on at some point, but he, he doesn't want to come on and talk he, unless we bring a, a second guest with him. So, um, Anyways, back to the listener question. So second question we got is next year as you go through training camp, who uh, – who do we think makes the big club at a training camp? Uh, that's a pretty loaded question right here. I mean, just looking at there, there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of free agents with the Sharks next year. There's so mm-hmm. many questions. Um, and so I guess uh, maybe we rephrase it. Who, who, the guys from this year's team, who do you expect to go in and really compete for a job next year? Well, you start with the guys that were up and down this past year. So, you know, the Auntie Sumelas, the Dylan Gambrells, um, the Jake Middletons. I think all those guys are going to compete for jobs, whether they start with the Barracuda, they start with the Sharks, TBD, and that doesn't really guarantee um, them a full-time job with either team, really. You know, you mm-hmm. can start with the Barracuda and end up spending most of the year with the Sharks. So um, always, uh, you know, a uh, interesting time of year. And you get certain guys that come into training camp, they light it up, right? Um, you can get young guys that everybody thought of that, and they're going to start in the American League. You know, you can look back at a Mark Edward Vlasic. I don't think the plan was for him to, you know, start Jonas with Donskoy a big club. Was one of those people too. Jonas Donskoy is a guy. Even Barkley Goodrow began his career pretty much playing his entire first year in the National Hockey League before he came back to the you know American League and kind of 
continue to round out his game. So um, there's always so many questions. I certainly expect that group to be in the mix. And Nick Simone and Alexander True, these Black Ace guys, kind of give you an idea on who I think the front office kind of expects to, to start mm -hmm. pushing for jobs as well. Um, but again, there's guys that will come out of training camp and they have, uh, they've done a lot in the offseason. Ivan Chikovich, yep. Sasha Chemileski, those yep. are two guys who could come in and, and create an impact. I would expect Ivan to probably a little bit more than Sasha, maybe to compete for a job right yep. away. Um, but yeah, I think that, that you hit on it. That black ace group is really the the one to keep an eye on, Those that core little group of people. I think they're the ones who are going to be the ones to at least right away to push, but that doesn't mean, like you said, somebody can come into camp and light the world on fire, completely change things. You know, you never know, especially these, these guys coming out of Europe who are signing these Joel Kellermans and, and some of these other guys. You don't know what they're going to put up in camp, so uh, that's that's the beauty of it, right? You're playing for yeah. jobs. It's you're, exciting. You're looking, to, you're so looking to surprise people. Mix. Yeah, so many guys in the mix, and we certainly hope that uh, you know we're going into training camp next year with uh, you know Stanley Cup champion logos on everything. That'd you know, nice. and that plays a big impact on who's going to be back as well. Mm -hmm. So just never know. TBD. Yep. Next question we got. Uh, I guess we'll we'll kind of. Stick with that theme. So we had a big restricted free agents group this year. We had 12 guys total who are RFAs throughout the organization. I'll just rattle off the names, and it's guys who are here. It's guys who maybe have been in Orlando. So our RFAs this year, we got Dylan Gambrell, Antti Suomela, Max Latunov, John Martin, Alex Shaneborn, Francis Perron, Rourke Chartier, Nick DeSimone, Mike Brodzinski, Kyle Wood, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, and Cody Donahue. So of this big RFA group, are there, is there anybody we could see potentially being re-signed and, and coming back here uh, next year? And if so, who do you think uh, kind of stands out? You know those Twitter pages that say thoughts are my own, or what does it say? So opinions you, are my opinion, own. Opinions are my own. Okay. And let's yeah, let's let's we're gonna put a disclaimer on this. We, have we know nothing. No, we know nothing. We know we know nothing. nothing. And. If we knew something, well, we wouldn't. If we knew something, though, it wouldn't be our job to, to spill yeah. the beans until... Yeah, we don't know public. anything. This so is purely really our guessing. Not, this is just for entertainment, um, entertainment's sake. Um, that's a big group. It's, it, you know, again, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to kind of put, put your finger on who's going to be coming back. Um, you know, you would assume guys in Orlando, you know, they may consider I think, bringing them back on AHL I think deals. Some, the guys who have spent time in Orlando, who we haven't seen here all season... I'd be very surprised if any of them were to re-sign and come back. I think I think that's fair. I think that's perfectly so, fair. I mean, you never really know. I know Mike Brodzinski and Cody Donahue and Shane Warren, more so the defenseman, put up good numbers in Orlando. So something like that, it's, it's possible, but it's I, I don't know. It's different, too, nowadays because they don't have an actual ECHL affiliate. We saw a couple mm -hmm. years ago when we were with Allen – you know, they gave guys contracts that were down there that we, you know, didn't really even expect to see at the American League level yeah. now. Uh, they would come up. I think a couple of them ended up coming up and playing a couple games. But It's also tough, too, because, like we said earlier, there's more guys keep coming in, right? Yeah. More bodies are coming in, so it's just harder and harder to compete for jobs. Yep. So it's, I mean, you never really, not, never really know what's going to work out yeah, that way. Too hard, too hard to say, really. Um, but from, the, from this group, I would I would... I would guess Dylan Gambrell is a guy who comes back. Absolutely. Uh, Suomela is probably a guy who they give another look to. Um, I would love to see John Martin come back. I thought he made huge strides in this year's game and, and played a big role for us. I think 
having a big physical guy like that to compliment Jeffrey VL would, would help this team a lot, especially next year. Heavy shot. Thank you, Mike Murphy, our, our audience for today. <laughs> uh, Murph, former Kuda uh, Confidential guest, so we may have to get him back on oh, at yeah, some point this summer. Oh, yeah, he's coming back this summer. Um, Nick Simone's obviously a guy I would think comes back. Kevin Fitzgerald is a guy who I think is kind of up in the air, uh, especially now with the Ferraro announcement coming through. The way he came on at the end of the year, I thought, you know, he really – he took some big steps again. I just don't know. It's hard. I don't it's even tough. feel like we right. Don't, yeah, insane. we don't really know. I just don't know. Yeah, we're just we're so. just purely guessing. But it is a big group. Lots of things to consider. We got Jimmy Bono now standing yeah. next to us, assistant yeah. coach. So yeah. Bones probably knows the inside scoop, but we yeah, won't ask does. him. Yeah. We won't ask. We can't him. get that from. But he won't spill the beans. Now he's running away. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. So, uh, what are things that the team can work on heading into next season? And I think that's another tough one to answer because. You, you've got a different – it's going to be a different group, right? So the things that maybe hamper the group this year aren't necessarily going to hamper the group next year. I think the biggest thing is what can they – what can the players work on, you know, as individuals? And I think for a lot of our guys, it's they're just young, right? So it's yeah, working on the little things in their game and, and getting bigger, faster, and stronger, really, because if you can do those things, the system work and all that, that's going to kind of work itself out. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, knowing the American League now, I think, you know, when you there's so much unknown. It takes you a while just to get used to and custom to the pro lifestyle. These guys now all have a year under the belt. They all have those workouts from, you know, Marcello, our strength coach, and Mike Potenza. They're going to have those workouts. You know, they know what to expect. They know who their teammates are most likely going to be. Um, the expectations are already set. They know what they have to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I think just the experience, as you mentioned, Joe, is going to play, a, you know, a huge role and a lot of these guys making the leap, you know, next year. And, again, I think competition is going to be very high. There's so many guys coming in, so many guys coming back. So um, just going into the off season, you know, I think these guys are going to be hungry after the way the yeah. season ended. And it's a lot of the, you know, everybody knows at the end of the year, you know, you have your exit interviews and the coaches tell you what, what they want you to work on and things of that nature. But the biggest thing is, you know, they kind of alluded to it as they wrapped up the season here, the guys that's, Look at the things that this year you think might have, you know, slowed you down a little bit. You know, what was it? It was towards the end of the year. Did you get tired? Were you not winning your battles for pucks? Those little things, if you can figure out what those little things are, those are going to help you as you work on those over the summer coming into next year. Those are going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, these are crucial times for these players. You go home for a couple weeks. A lot of them say go home for a couple weeks. You take some time off, get your mind away from the game. But these are crucial times for these young players as they continue to try to develop. So. All right, we got two more questions here. Uh, this one will be a quick one. Ryan Merkley, next season, is he somebody we could see play with the Barracuda? And if I'm not mistaken, he's a guy who is similar to Chekovic and Shemoleski this year where he's a guy who won't be able to come in until his junior season ends. Yep, he just finished his third year. So how it works in the CHL is if you play less than two years, you are available to play in the American Hockey League. Now, if you have not, if you've already played two years, you have to reach a certain time, a certain age before you're eligible. I think it's 19, whatever it's 19 it is, 19 old. and a half yeah. maybe. Um, so Merkley is not eligible. Just like you said, Djokovic and Shevolevsky, as we saw last year, came in, lit it up. Everybody's thinking, hey, they're going to be back next year. Well, they're not available. So we will not see uh, Merck's next year. We will see him development camp. We will see him in training camp. Um, and then unless, of course, he were to make the big club, that's the yeah. only way he would stay. Right. Um, He's a guy, too, though, I think has 
as as he looked great at times this year. Still a lot that has to be worked on with his game. Yeah, he, there, there were times during the playoffs when he played where he flashed some brilliance, but there were also times where he just looked overmatched and overpowered going up against grown men. He needs to get stronger, smarter decisions. Things like that are just going to come with time, you know, as you, you get more experience. But those are going to be kind of the big things is when he comes in next year that I'm going to look to first. Absolutely. And what you gain from those couple of weeks can play a huge role in the success you have the following year. We saw it with Jakovic. The points he put up this past year in the queue, I think he was second in points. He had a you know, really breakout season. Shemilevsky, his group's still in the playoffs right now in the OHL Championship. Blickfield's another one. Blickfield, another guy. Points. Noah Gregor. Um, just getting those that experience. Yeah, Blickfield had an incredible year after mm-hmm. playing a couple games with us last year. You kind of forget about some of those guys. It's just the way that Chikovic and uh, Shemilevsky played. So for Shemilevsky, won a silver medal at the World Juniors, made that, that Team USA. Um, and now is uh, in the championship trying to get to a Memorial Cup. So you can kind of use that experience, certainly, to elevate your game at the junior level the following year. So, no, we will not see Merkley next season. And last question, do we have any favorite moments from the 2018-2019 season? And if so, what were they? Favorite moments? Um, certainly the start of the year was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Barracuda were sitting atop the AHL standings for the first three and a half, four months. Um, so that was definitely a lot of fun. Just a really fun group. I mean, it, you, you can yeah. attest, we come to the rink every day and we interact with these guys, you know, a very personal level. We're around them all the time. You know, I travel with the team, so I'm around these guys constantly. And, uh, you know, they almost become, everybody becomes one big family. But we had a really, really, really fun group this year. We haven't had a bad group yet, but um, this was definitely one of those teams that was just seemed just yeah. really tight. You say it, it's every year. It's each each group, it's... You know, it's like you said, we haven't had a bad group ever. We've never really had any bad eggs. Like, it's, it's, it's been great. It's made your job easy. It's made my job easy. And these guys are, are all bought in. But every year, it just seems like each group is better than the next. And you don't think that you can beat the year before, but they always do. They always exceed your expectations, and everything gets better. Um, you know, I, I, this year was, it was good. Like I said, the start of the year was great. I think the All-Star game was great. That was, I mean, obviously having so many representatives in Springfield and including the coaches and, and just it was nice being able to interact with those guys out in Springfield on a little bit of a different level. So that was great. Um, some of the off-ice stuff too was great for us. I know we had a lot of fun with the podcast, obviously with this being the first year, but you know, filming at the Frenchie house, like little things like that. Um, those are the memories you kind of, you'll hang on to as, as the year goes on. Um, you know, so who knows? Who knows what, what the future holds, but this year there was, there was a lot to be proud of. We talked a lot about it on this episode, but lots of things to yeah. hang your hat on and get excited about, especially for the future of both the Barracuda and the Sharks. Yeah, and, you know, we, we often forget this is a developmental league, you mm-hmm. know, but they're trying to develop. I think the Sharks have made it clear as day. They're trying to develop guys that are used to winning, and there's a lot of guys on this team, you know, who have backgrounds in winning. That's the reason why they're here, but... Um, you know, that's something I think they'll go into next year with this group is, you know, we have made it to the playoffs in four straight years. Make it five if you go back to Worcester. The bar is set. We expect to make the playoffs. Now we expect to have success in the playoffs. Right. You know, it's no longer, I think, you know, that was talked a lot about after the season came to a, a quick conclusion was, okay, we made it. We should be proud of that. But we're trying to make, mm-hmm. you know, make a name and make some hay in the postseason as well. So, um, but what a fun year. Great group of guys. Um, so, a lot to a lot that we'll remember from this year, and they all have you know their special moments, and uh, I don't know, very fun, very fun to be yeah, part of. It was good. 
Let's, uh, before we wrap this up, I want to talk future of the pot as we head into the offseason. Oh, here. yeah. Let's talk future of the pot. So, obviously, it lights up. Content lightens up. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're going to try to do throughout the summer, and um, you guys have probably followed along on our website, um, is the Cuda Ketchup Series. Now, we're still going to do that to an extent, uh, but we're kind of going to expand it. We're going to try to get guests on constantly from the team. Um, we're going to go bi-weekly instead of weekly um, and try to get guys on um, and just talk about what's going on in their offseason, their training regimens, what they're doing for fun. A lot of these guys live by lakes. Um, you know, they like to go boating and a lot of them wake surf and wakeboard. And, um, so we'll, we'll kind of get a behind the scenes, hopefully, on w- what they're up to and, and how they're getting ready for, for next season. But this is kind of the stuff that we want to bring to you during the regular season. But I think it's going to take a whole nother kind of extended life as we go away from the game and we just talk about yeah. just, you know, what's happening away from the ring. It's, it's hard during the season, too, to – and I know you want to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes type stuff, and I think we did a pretty good job with that this year, getting to know guys a little bit off the ice. But it's hard not to always go back to hockey because that's – this is what this is all about, right? That's why they're yeah. here. That's what we're ta- – that's what people want to know. And so that that's a big thing. But, yeah, this summer it's really going to be an opportunity to dig deeper into these guys' personal lives and what keeps them – keeps them sane in the off season, how often they're hitting the ice and what, like I said, what they're doing for fun. I know guys spend a lot of time at the lake, guys spend time at the beach, they golf, they go on trips. So it's, everybody's got something different going on, but um, yeah, it'll be good. We're not, uh, we're not abandoning you guys. No. We're, we're definitely going to keep doing it, but it, obviously when things slow down over the, over the, uh, over the summer, we don't need to weekly podcast don't no. uh, it's we're all we everybody's yeah. getting away from the office everybody's trying to you know enjoy. we'll do a best of episode at yep. some point we'll, we'll highlight some of our favorite interviews and moments so we'll make sure that comes out maybe over the fourth of july when there's kind of a more extended time off for everybody in the office but uh it'll be good we're yeah excited. It'll be fun it'll be fun and as we have guests we kind of can foreshadow guests and we can schedule out guests. We'll, you know, try to interact with you guys as well. Give you an option to ask these guys a few questions that we can kind of, you know, uh, relay to these guys. Mm-hmm. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. But uh, thanks to all the loyal listeners. It's been a lot of fun this season. Yeah. So it's the first time, yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about the podcast idea for a while. Yep. To see it put in motion is, uh, is, is exciting. I, I have fun recording it every week, and I know you do too. So it's, it's um, you know, it obviously wouldn't, wouldn't work if we didn't have people listening to it. And we've got enough people tuning in and sharing everything to, to get people excited. So it's been a fun season. And we've got Austin Rodriguez, our he will be equipment Austin manager. will be a guest at some point He's in the podcast. He's, He's very on. anxious to get on and defend himself since we had we, Mike Murphy. We've got on. our assistant trainer, Gianluca Scatosi. Yep. He's going to get on at some point. Yeah. So we're getting yeah, A-Rod, A-Rod has a lot to – he needs to defend himself. I think Murph kind of, you know – put him in a, a, a bad light with all the, the Disney bashing and all that kind of stuff. And so A-Rod's, I mean, he's, he's, got he's showing socks. off. He's wearing goofy socks as we speak right now. He's, he's all amped up, ready to go. So we'll, we'll make sure we get him on at some point here in the coming weeks because, as A-Rod puts it, people want to hear him. So people want to yeah. hear A-Rod, apparently. So uh, A-Rod's we'll one get of the you on. personalities. We'll, we'll give you an opportunity to get on and defend yourself, and, and we'll see how those listeners' numbers stack up. If you bring on more people than Murph, maybe we just have to give you his job. Yeah, 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 and it's all it's all analytical. We we can we can gauge the listeners on that. So yeah, so good stuff. Uh, again, thank you to everybody, and you know, for now, we'll see, see you. See you.